I think I, what I'm most excited about is is generosity. So something around you know be radically generous or um, you know live generously. I think uh, so many people are just they're holding on. The more they make, the more they keep, and the unhappier they become. And uh, I love the idea of getting people addicted to giving, giving your yeah. time, your talent, your money. You know, it's not just money. You don't have to be rich to be generous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I think you become you become wealthy not by being rich, but you become wealthy by the amount of money that's able to, or the resources that are able to flow through you. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast, a member of the Education Podcast Network. I am beyond pumped today for today's episode. I have on Scott Harrison of Charity Water. And here's the thing. Normally on Fridays, I'm going to start featuring teachers. And today, the students became the teacher. Um, I also believe in being massively transparent what we do with this class and Scott agreed to have our call recorded. And when I say our call, I mean Luke Rex and Luke Johnston. You see in our class, they have uh, taken on a project and they are building a school in Cape Coast, Ghana. And I'm not gonna steal their story. They're gonna tell it better than I do. But one of the things we do is we reach out to mentors. People have been there and done that. And we got a hold of Scott and Scott is legendary. Charity Water is huge. And Luke's, the Luke's as I call them, had already very much looked up to Charity Water and what they have done. And so this was like a dream come true. This was kind of them calling their celebrity. And I mean that in the truest sense. So uh, Scott agreed to, to take the call and they recorded it. And it went so well, uh, Luke Rex asked, and we asked Scott, can you put this on the podcast? Because he's like, it was so great. He gave us so much insight. And I think a lot of people will value from it. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And again, because we believe in being transparent, I think this is a model on how students can go about contacting the people that they look up to and try to get answers from them. So it's for those reasons I am thrilled to put out this podcast. I also highly encourage you to check out what they are doing. I'll have the links in the description below. These guys aren't just raising money to have somebody else build a school. Um, they're running this as a nonprofit, and one of the students has actually already moved out to Ghana, and the other Luke is staying here to run it. So if you're not inspired by this story, I don't know what to think. Um, so aside from my proud teacher moment, may I introduce to you Luke Johnston, Luke Rex, and Scott Harrison of Charity Water. Thank you for talking to us. Like, nice uh, to meet you guys. I'm Luke Rex, and I'm Luke Johnston. So, so uh, what we want to explain to you first is just what this class is. So, just because it, it will give you a clear understanding of kind of what we got going on. Um, yeah. So, everything you know about standard based education with GPAs, test scores, and everything, just toss out the window. This class is all about failure. So. Mr. Wetrek has uh, wrote a curriculum just based off of innovation and ambition and thinking for yourself in a sense. So over the past three years I've been in the class, I've gone from video movie making and networking with uh, like James Franco and going to some of his movie sets to more of the entrepreneurial route. So um, in a sense, that's what the class is about. So there's students writing books, starting businesses and just doing different things that normally you wouldn't get um, in a normal classroom. So it's just a huge opportunity. And since Mr. Wetrick is verified on Twitter and everything, he can kind of get out there and get people's attention, you know? 
Um, so that's where our opportunity kind of came up. So former student Pete Freeman, he's a grad from our, uh, from our uh, high school in uh, Indianapolis. And uh, he came in the class and he's traveled to Ghana several times and started nonprofits and all. And he said, all right, there's this guy named Kobe over there. He's bought, he bought this land and he just uh, he can't put up the funds to build a school and there's a need for education. So uh, Luke and I kind of looked at each other and we're like, dude, like it's a project, like let's freaking do it kind of thing. So that's exactly what we did. Over the last four months, we've uh, raised enough money to fund the school. So that's awesome. And also pay for the teachers for a year. But Luke's actually going to be graduating in two days or a day. And he's going to be living in Ghana and oversee the school being built. So one thing that Mr. Wetrick really pushes us to do is how are you going to make it sustainable? How, what, what's the next step? How do you, how do you make it different? So what Luke and I did is we started our own nonprofit. We got nonprofit status, you know, filed everything about hundred, 150 kids in Ghana. Now me, myself, I've traveled to Kenya a couple of times on missions trip, a lot of projects there and everything. I'm not sure if you're know about like Narok town or uh, kind of over by Masai Mara. Um, but in the south. we worked in the north a little bit and then uh, west. Okay, gotcha. But uh, going in around going around the world and seeing that, like I understand the need of education around the world. So once this opportunity arose, uh, we just try to figure out how to make it sustainable. Nonprofit was the easiest way. So for Luke and I, we don't want to make money off of this. Like we honestly like could care less about making a profit. We want to make a global dent. That's yeah. why we look up so much to what uh, you've done uh, with charity water and i mean we've researched your story and everything i mean i told luke kind of before this i'm like it might even come off as creepy with how much we know about charity water story and everything uh and i mean yeah like we're at the point right now where like we're 17 years old like we're at this year span where we don't need to make money like we can hustle this out and live in our parents basement for another four years and not have to worry about making a check so like I mean, it's just that this it's better now than later. And that's kind of what we've learned through the innovations class that why not start now instead of saying, oh, maybe later in life, I'll uh, I'll go do this because that, that's what I want to do. But rather mm-hmm. we said, let's let's do it now. So, I mean, and if it's OK with you, uh, Mr. Harrison, we have a list of questions. Uh, sure. if, if you just want to go through them and everything, we really just want to pick your brain on uh, kind of what. um our plan is with our nonprofit itself. Uh, we're kind of going off the same platform that you guys did um, or that you did with 100% donations, making a brand because we also realize that charities just, they aren't, they're not great at branding whatsoever. They have awesome projects and what they want to do. They have awesome gold. They just don't know how to, you understand. So uh, the first, the first question that uh, we came up with was when you were at ground zero. So once you came back from mercy ships and you realized that, hey, like there's this water crisis. How did you get from that hole of just, all right, let's let's do this thing to charity water? Like how that there's a big step of uh, from just the idea, because right now we're at the idea stage. We we would know where we want to go, but we just don't know like that step, you know? And yeah. And I mean, it came from like, obviously, the first donation is always the hardest. And yeah. I feel like coming from after this first school is done and built, and there's video and picture documentation of it that it kind of helps us leverage the next one and, and so forth. But I know yours came from uh, throwing your 31st birthday yeah, uh, to yeah. start that first one. Um, but kind of how is it that you went from very beginning, just this idea of charity water to actually doing and 
and having this business model. And yep. So charity water wasn't the first idea. The first idea was to help make this organization famous and help them grow. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't believe that uh, a white hospital ship had sailed the coast of Africa for 25 years and no one that I came across had ever heard of them. So how could yeah. you spend a quarter of a century, you know, making the blind see, the lame walk, you know, removing these tumors, some of the stuff you guys have seen, yeah. and, and not be able to market this organization and turn it into a really big thing. So I wanted to help them get 10 ships. Uh, eventually it was just a different culture. So Mercy Ships has a much more conservative culture based in Lindale, Texas. Um, you know, I was some punk kid from New York city telling them that everything they were doing was wrong. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to do these huge grand exhibitions all around the world and, uh, Berlin train stations and Zurich factories and, uh, a brewery in London, the Truman Brewery, and yeah, you know, they just it, it just wasn't a part of their their vision. So I don't fault them for that at all. But that door just kind of slammed shut. And as I thought back to the two years that I'd spent with them, the you know I'd seen a lot of problems. I'd seen kids obviously not going to school. I'd spent time in a leprosy colony. I'd seen health uh, issues, but uh, mm-hmm. there was just that one thing that wasn't. Uh, it wasn't okay by me, which was dirty water. So of all the things that I'd seen, dirty water felt connected to everything. It was connected to education, connected to education. It was connected to health. It was connected to local economies. It was connected to, um, you know, the just the the waste of time uh, seeing these women just you know fall back and forth to swamps and ponds and rivers. So I had my issue then, and you know. Uh, kind of started with a clean sheet of paper with the advantage, I guess, of not coming out of the establishment, not coming out of any institutional charity mm-hmm. and having seen Mercy Ships do great work, but honestly not be inspired by their marketing or their branding or yeah, the way that they yeah. you know, communicated yeah. online uh, at the time. So, you know, I was talking with my friends saying, what would a perfect charity look like? What would, what would inspire you to give? What would solve the problems you have with charity? And that's that's really where the 100% model came from. That's where the idea of proof came from and, and closing the loop and showing people where their money went. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, brand was just something that I always cared about. I mm-hmm. Even back when I was running nightclubs, I always tried to make our parties stand out. Uh, better looking invitations, themed events uh, where, where it would feel more exciting and not just uh, like another night at the club. So just kind of put put these things together. And as he said, you know, started with what I knew, which was I could get a bunch of people to turn up in a nightclub and pay 20 bucks if I gave them open bar and then went to a lot of my, you know, old relationships at the time. Although most of them were strangers. I really didn't leverage much of the nightlife relationships. I just went to liquor companies and said, you know, would you donate? And then people said yes and went to a club and, uh, and they donated. So, you know, and then, and then it was just a, a flurry of unique, activities are at least unique to us the outdoor exhibition i put dirty water in in big plexiglass tanks and showed new yorkers what it would look like if you had to drink from a swamp uh we went to we drove a, a truck out to sundance and we got a gallery donated during sundance festival and we just set up shop on main street uh and asked people to come in and uh learn about the issue and then give and i think we raised you know twenty thousand dollars there so it's just these little activities 10 grand here, 20 grand there Okay. Gotcha. Man, that's awesome. Um, 
I, I've been looking into Mercy Ships a decent amount, uh, just because, like, I mean, personally, for my next step, like, there's basically like 10 roads in front of me, just not sure which one to go on. So uh, hearing your story about Mercy Ships and everything, I have a question a little bit later on about asking specifically about that. But um, so with all of the projects, as in every single well that you guys build, and I know you don't oversee all of them, but you, all the projects that you guys uh, are doing, what is like the number one reoccurring problem? It can be specifically with the well. It can be with communication. What's the one reoccurring problem that just like always comes up and you're like, dang it, like I have to deal with that again kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, you know, all wells, just like cars, break at different periods of time. So depending on the use, uh, you know, if you're, if you're driving your car every day, you're going to need more frequent tune-ups. If you drive it once a month, you know, you might go for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So the it's it's just making sure that the community mechanism is in place to actually go and make that repair and then that the parts are available on the local market so you could have a stranded asset you know ten thousand dollar well just sitting there because uh a a 25 cent washer was unavailable yeah Uh, and nobody was resourceful enough to actually pool money and go into you know the nearby town uh, or, or the nearby city to get that so a lot of it is just the training uh, setting up the water committee, making sure that everybody's paying. So, you know, that's something that not everybody knows, but in all of our water projects around the world, there is a cost. So someone living in rural Ethiopia might be paying a dollar a month or $2 a month. That, that payment then goes into a corpus that's managed by six to eight people. And then when a repair is needed, they've got that money. They've got $261 in the account or $364 in the account. So it's just this, we, we would kind of call that software. I mean, in some ways, the, the hardware, the, the drilling of the well is the easiest part. About 90% of the, the wells you know, we drill are, are good. Um, but it's really that, that training. So that's why we started this thing called Pipeline five years ago, where yeah. we would set up local mechanics and you know, think of it as AppleCare or Geek Squad you know, in these different countries who are, who are really just roving mechanics, doing the rounds, picking up coverage areas and just turning up in villages, making sure everything's going well. Yeah. I like, and my experiences with like, uh, going on missions trips and stuff, that's something like we, we didn't want to remodel. Like, I'm not saying that mission trips aren't good, but like, it was, it was crazy to me to see that we went and built uh, a school and a well in uh, Haiti, um, my church and, uh, ended up breaking down and the they yeah. weren't provided with the knowledge to know how to rebuild it and uh, refound like start the new school back up and then they just sat there and waited until we arrived the next year and we realized that they sat there for six months just waiting for us to come back and never even attempted to to rebuild anything and that's why I think like we wanted to head down the educational path and yeah to provide them with the education to solve the, those problems and yeah. I mean, that's that, 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 unfortunately I used to joke that the missions trips would go and they would paint the building a different color every single oh, year. Yeah. yeah. Building doesn't really, building need sick paint. <laughs> yeah. We, we really don't like that. I mean, mission trips are great and all like they are, but we don't like that mentality of like going off, dropping off school supplies and then leaving. We just yeah. want to do like so much more. In and a that's sense. what the innovations class kind of conducted to us. Like, how are you going to make it sustainable? How are you going to do, do something different than the usual, just drop off school supplies because anybody that has enough money can drop off some books there and say they changed education in this, in this city. But 
Is it really? Meant well, have you guys gone and, and, you know, spend time with room to read with pencils of promise? I mean, there's a lot of people, uh, mm -hmm. Jacob Leaf at Ubuntu, I and mean, there's tons of people in the education space that are yeah, 25 years ahead of you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we haven't specifically done that yet. Reason. I mean, I hate making excuses. I mean, it's not an excuse, but because we are going to be doing that. But um, right now it's like the so the stage we're at right now, Luke, I mean, we're still like eleven hundred dollars short of funding for Luke's trip and everything to send him out. There's that. And we're also just developmental of our brand. So logo, website, logistical things, make sure all that's concrete before we really send it out. What are you going to call it? Uh, the Changed Project, ED on Changes uh, Capitalize. Um, okay, yeah. Like so um, the next thing that uh, I really want to talk to you about is, all right, so in a Forbes article that Charity Bar was mentioned in, you are mentioning, you mentioned like three things, specific things that uh, young entrepreneurs need to do to, in a sense, be successful. And that's uh, have a story, um, find a coach in Tennessee. Tennessee, am I saying that right? Yeah. Tenacity. Yeah, tenacity. Gosh dang. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the one thing that sticks out in that to me is the mentorship. So Mr. Wetrick also does stress you need to find someone that's like just better than you. Uh, and yeah. that's what we have done. But in your process of finding mentors, how did that come up, especially after uh, you got back from Mercy Ships? You had your 31st birthday. You raised that money. So then who did you look to to mentor? And how did you, in a sense get under their wing? It took me about five, five years to, to really find a mentor. And, uh, you know, for me, it happened organically. You know, I had hired some different business coaches and consultants at different points. So that's a great thing to do uh, along the way is, you know, have someone come and lead an offsite as you, even with your small staff, you know, if there's the two of you and a bunch of volunteers or interns, you know, strategy sessions, planning sessions, you can, at, at your size, you can get people to donate their time. Mm -hmm. you know, who'd be passionate about that. Yeah. The, I have a very specific mentor, really only one. Um, and a guy I worked with about four years and now it's just a friend. So we don't work together anymore, okay. but it happened organically. Uh, that that's one of the most, um, I think that's the, it, it's hard, just, uh, it, it's hard forcing it. You know, you really have to find someone who you develop a common relationship with, who's passionate about you guys, who you just hit it off with, who then, like my mentor got sucked into it. You know, if I had ever asked him, hey, will you mentor me? It would have been no. Yeah. Uh, but I would just ask him advice and then a little more advice. And, you know, the next thing he knew, you know, he was spending 15 hours a week on on the thing. Awesome. Uh, and, and he had started a very successful company. He'd sold it. So he would effectively retired at okay. 35 or, or 40. So he had the time on his hands, mm -hmm. but you know, it's typically never a cold email or, um, you know, it's, it's someone that you meet, you know, it, it's someone that the Don might know someone in your hometown, someone that you might meet in Kenya mm -hmm. uh, as you're networking through another organization. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, it normally, I think the best mentorships happen organically and, and then they become friendships as well. Awesome. But it was really, really important for me. Okay, cool. Uh, so I actually, uh, my last final one I got done, I was watching this video just to like kind of prepare for this talk and everything. And you mentioned something a lot about like locally. So reaching out locally and finding ways to raise money locally. So after uh, you raised that 15,000, built the wells, did you come back and just work locally? What did your local work look like? 
Does that make sense? I mean, I was just ask, I was just trying to do these mini fundraisers, and I was walking around with the laptop, making ten to fifteen presentations a day. Okay. So I was just out pitching with the story, the story, the story. Now I had my own photos. Uh, I had the photos of the needs. So I was showing pictures of dirty water. I was showing wells being built, uh, and I was showing clean water. So I had this kind of before the solution, and then the the after. And I just gave the same presentation, you know, 15 times a day. And, you know, it, it would change a little bit. And I heard a lot of no's. I might hear 12 no's and three yeses or 13 no's and two yeses. And I would get the, the, the people that I would meet next would come from the people that I met. So I would ask someone, hey, who else should I be talking to? Oh, go talk to my friend. They're, they're a florist. You know, they own a floral business and yeah. they, they really care about water. Uh, you know, education is such a great issue. I mean, in some ways, I think you guys have it easier because, yeah, I mean, water is just not something that's on anybody's radar. America has 100% water coverage. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we have a Flint turn up and then people talk about it because it's fashionable for a couple months. But education <laughs> is on everybody's mind all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a great, great issue to get, you know, a wide, wide range of people to care about. So I would say, you know, arm yourself with amazing photos and video of the school being built, of the kids come back with stories of the students, what, you know, what was their reality before, what's their reality now, post-school, and you're just constantly storytelling, and people are giving you money. There's a great book called Ask that I wish I'd read earlier uh, by a guy named Ren Levy, L-E-V-Y, and it's just... You know, it's, it's a good book on fundraising, how to not be afraid to ask for money. Because a lot of people just get hung up on that. It's a, it's a weird thing, asking yeah, someone yeah. for money. Really, yeah, I mean, through all of our presentations locally, we've met with uh, like Rotary Clubs, Lions Clubs, International and everything. And I mean, that's the one thing that we did already ran into. And I think already kind of overcome is that ask of money because we were very timid starting out with it. We kind of even didn't ask for money, but that was a problem. You you, you, if you don't ask, you won't get it. Yeah, we, we, we ran into that People. saying, like, we, we want to value your time and your knowledge and your help, um, but never really went to, like, hey, we need this amount of money to build the school. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of getting over that awkward stage of asking for someone else's money, you know. Now, yeah. uh, I've also found people really like goals. So if I was trying to raise 1100 bucks and I was you guys, I'd go get 11 people to give $100. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd say we we are looking for eleven people, and then you get two, and now we're looking for nine people. Yeah, and then you get four. Now we're looking for six more. You know, you yeah. break something up into you know very measurable chunks, mm-hmm. and you guys probably know eleven people that could give a hundred dollars right now. You might have to ask twenty five of them, yeah, or thirty yeah. thirty to get the eleven, but you would get eleven people to give you a hundred dollars. You may it may be harder getting one person to give you eleven hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay, gotcha. Is, one, once you get more people involved, you know, to win for you anyway. So you'd much rather have 11 people on the journey, you know, buying your plane ticket, yeah. uh, then you're emailing 11 people rather than one rich, richer person. Yeah. You get to bring them all. And, yeah. and that connection with the donors, um, and that's something we really want to strike in on. Uh, so when I go over there, we plan on having the kids uh, paint their country flag and uh, do some artwork that um, I'm going to be able to bring back home and give to each donor since they're all pretty local. So I can uh, hand deliver um, everything and kind of give them that connection and see that 
hey, this is this is what we contributed. This is the school that we helped. And and the beauty is, you know, your iPhone does everything now. So yeah, I'm, yeah. in a few minutes, when I get off with you guys, I'm going to start recording about 128 videos for our top donors just to say thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. They're going to bring in a special light in my office, a ring light, and I'm going to do the entire thing on my iPhone. Yeah, yeah, that's so awesome. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm just send it to 128 people around the world. Yeah, dang. So, uh, um, you have your okay. So, your nonprofit it's the 100 margin. You like 100 donations, everything. Then you have your overhead. your overhead. Now, when you're convincing people to pay for your overhead, or when you meet with them, what does that process look like? Because I know that's like for us, like that, in a sense, like that's what we want to see happen with the change project. We want to see that. I mean, we don't, we don't want money from this. Like we want hundred percent of our don- donations to go. We like how charity water pays back even the transaction fees. So what does that process look like when you're finding people to pay for your overhead? Well, today it's easy. Uh, I mean, today there's a sophisticated giving program that's multi-year and multi-tier and starts at $60,000 a year and goes to a million dollars a year. And, you know, we've got, uh, the, the givers are the founders of Facebook and Twitter and Spotify and WordPress. And, uh, you know, you've got, um, you, you now have kind of the proof of concept in the, in the early days, you're just asking for something different. You know, you're just saying, Hey, look, there's, this is the model. There are two bank accounts. We're looking for people who are willing to help us build this and reach out to a mistrusting public. And then we're also looking for people who don't trust charities at all. And who want to know that hundred percent of their dollar goes. So I just, we're constantly giving people choice. You know, this last, uh, Last week, we got a million dollar Bitcoin donation from an anonymous donor. And I wrote him back and I said, we got we got two two bank accounts. Um, and he said, how about half and half? So, you know, we were yeah, able yeah. to it, it's just I think just being transparent. People really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the most important thing starting out, you know, my advice for you guys, because I actually I typically discourage people from the 100 percent model because it's incredibly difficult and you yeah. it's hard enough starting one charity starting you're effectively starting two charities at the same time uh i would just try to get a group make sure that the commitments you're getting at whenever possible on the overhead side are multi-year so if someone's willing to give you ten thousand dollars you know you might consider splitting that up over three years mm-hmm. gotcha you know gotcha. saying hey would you get fifteen thousand you know over three years because you just want you want to you want predictable income. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to raise a hundred grand this year. And then, you know, all those donors are like, Oh no, that was a one-time gift. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. And then you have to replace them every year. So even if that means taking the donation and dividing it by three yeah, uh, and not allowing yourself to kind of, you know, to spend it mm-hmm. as you, as you build more regularity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, that was our problem. You know, we, we were just bootstrapping it with one-off donations and we had a, you know, a couple million, we'd raised a couple million dollars for water projects, but we couldn't make payroll. Yeah. Okay. And we got very fortunate that somebody dropped a million dollars on us, but had we not, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. Yeah. So yeah. there's a, there's a guy uh, that's worth checking out called new story charity. Okay. His name's Brett Hagler and he took our model. Uh, it's, 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 I always joke that he's doing charity colon shelter. Uh, you know, he's, he took the hundred percent model, but he'd started from scratch and started building a group of, of people to come and, you know, you call it something, the founder circle, or we call ours the well. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you, you, brand that group of people, 
you make them feel special, uh, and uh, they're your insiders. They're your investors. Mm -hmm. Those are the 128 videos that I'm making today for the 128 families. We have a million donors, but I'm going to make 128 personal videos to the people who are paying for, you know, the 70 people that that work here, our office, our flights, et cetera. Okay. Gotcha. So um, with us being 17 and 18 and everything, we like nowadays, there's a lot more stress on that next step of like, there's a huge stressor on. GPA. If you don't have the right test scores, you're not going to be getting into college. And there's that still that stereotype. If you're not going to college, then you're not going to be in a sense being successful. This class is a complete opposite again. So my question is, what is one piece of advice? I know you grew up in a conservative family and everything. And uh, with that uh, influence might change your answer. But with us being 17, 18, if you could go back uh, to when you were our age, what would be one piece of advice that you would say, hey, do this, like cut the crap in a sense? Like what would be your one piece I mean, I of advice? Great. If you, if you guys are planning to take a year off, right? Possibly. Uh, yeah, I'm done with school, so I'll be I'll be out of school for like six months, so half a year. But I potentially. Yeah. I, I, I think I that's a that's a great plan. You know, it's a great plan. Travel, learn. Can you go meet with some of the other NGOs? You know, te- teach yourself uh, what's working and what's not. Basically, um, you know, I went to school part time, so that's another option. You know, I was. You you could you could it, it could take uh, you guys a little longer. I mean, I, gosh, I'm I feel like the worst person to give career advice, but <laughs> I was a bad student. I never really used my degree yeah. uh, at NYU. It was in communication, so maybe I did more than I know. I I didn't take advantage of that. I wasn't disciplined. I wasn't going to classes. You know, uh, it was kind of a waste of money mm-hmm. for me. Now, you know, was it, did it lead to some credibility later? Perhaps. Um, I think, you know, I, I know a lot of people at my organization have great experiences with business school. Okay. And, uh, you know, there's some interesting stuff out there. Like check out Seth Godin's Alt MBA. Yep. You know, there's, there's a lot of online. Adam Braun is doing something interesting with education now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was the founders of Pencil for, Pencils uh, of Promise. I, what's it called? Braun. He is now doing Mission U, M-I-S-S-I-O-N-U. So, you know, there's a bunch of stuff you guys could check out that's that's mm-hmm. alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, okay. Sorry, I was typing some I stuff out. Eight more minutes, guys. Um, and I'm happy to, you know, follow up and give you guys my email and as you have few further questions. Fantastic. Okay. Gotcha. Um so we're also big uh, fans of Tim Ferriss and everything. And one question he always asks, I mean, we're pretty sure we are already kind of the answer, but his one of his questions he always asks is if you had a billboard and this billboard had uh, would reach out to millions, what would be on your billboard? What would it mean? And what would you try and get out to people? I think I, what I'm most excited about is, is generosity. So something around, you know, be radically generous or, um, you know, live generously. I think uh, so many people are just, they're holding on. The more they make, the more they keep and the unhappier they become. And uh, I love the idea of getting people addicted to giving, giving your time, your talent, your money. You know, it's not just money. You don't have to be rich to be generous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And I think you become, you become wealthy, not by being rich, but you become wealthy by the amount of money that's able or the resources that are able to flow through you. You know, so I, uh, I live in a, you know, 1200 square foot 
two bedroom apartment with two kids, but you know, about $300 million has flowed through me now, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, or to, to our yeah. staff and our team. So at some point I might, you know, have, I might have a billion dollars flow through my hands that, that I haven't touched. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, which is exciting. So th- am I wealthy? Yeah. I know I've been <laughs> able to help uh, almost 8 million people get access to clean water. Am I rich? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one thing that Luke and I were just like, dang, like, like that is just so awesome to us. I mean, at least personally for me, like yeah, that's, yeah. that's really how I want to be with my life going about it. Um, yeah. A couple more or trying to get well, like one more question in. Uh, so the way, or to correct me if I'm wrong, but Charity Water Works, you go to a location, you find other local partners that already build wells, and you say, hey, we're going to fund some projects, right? And let me give you a website that, uh, that most people don't know about. It's a, it's a hidden site, which is how we work, and it's partner.charitywater.org. So there's a ton of resource there um, of, okay. of the entire process. Fantastic. All right, well, we'll, we'll look into that then, yeah. definitely. Um, I mean, is, uh, yeah, go ahead. is there uh, any advice you could leave us um, for moving forward and wanting to build schools? It doesn't have to be specifically about uh, building schools, but is there anything that you could leave us with? That, yeah. Uh, I would spend a, a, a disproportionate amount of time learning mm-hmm. from other people who have been doing it. Yeah. yeah. I would go and track down John Wood, wherever he is. I think he's in China. You know, the guy spent, what, 20, 20 years or so building schools around the world. Yeah. Uh, Room to Read is, is one of the you know, premier organizations. I'd read his first book. I'd read his book that's about to come out um, in a few months, I think. I would just learn everything you can about people who have built schools in Africa, in the developing world. I'd go talk to them. Uh, is anyone doing anything innovative? Uh what doesn't work, you know, where do they yeah. go wrong? Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you get good teachers? How do you keep good teachers? There's just, you know, there's so much you guys can learn. And then you, you start forming your own opinions. You start sensing that there are themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, a lot of people say that one of the biggest things is teachers don't want to live in these rural areas. Yeah. yeah. It's not even about yeah. the money. You could pay a teacher really well, but they, they don't want to live in the middle of nowhere. It's not cool. There's no dating life. There's no social life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they left the rural areas for the city. So they'd much rather make way less money in Nairobi than let's say out in the Masai Mara mm. where you guys are doing a school because, yeah. so that's a challenge, right? How do you, how would you recruit them? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You, you could talk to a bunch of people about that. So I think you start forming your own opinions. You know, there's a, there's just an authority that comes with experience. Yeah. yeah. So the more time you're immersed, the more time you're out there, the more time you're, you're meeting with people. Uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure room to read has a country director in Kenya or for East Africa. So go track down that person and, uh, and spend, you know, take them out to lunch. Tell them who you are for you. That's a, that's a Kenyan. So you guys reached out, or you reached out everywhere. I mean, you went all over New York, you put charity water uh, up in showcases and everything. So which one of those, um, including social media, did you find the biggest uh, feedback from in a sense? So you also have, uh, you guys have your birthday fundraising, you have 
fundraising itself with people just yeah. doing crazy awesome things. So which one are you finding your best uh, feedback from and most success? It's really for the first five or six years, it was definitely peer-to-peer fundraising. So it was okay. birthdays, fundraising campaigns. Mm-hmm. Now we've moved to subscription because we're really trying to build more repeatable revenue. So that's the spring. Yeah. Um, so I think as you get bigger, you want more of a multi-channel approach. So the spring will do about $5 million. My charity water will do about $5 million this year. General donate will do about $5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just donations coming in. will do about $15 million. Our brand partners will do about $10 million. Foundations will do about $5 million. So, you, you know, as you get kind of to, to a greater scale, I think you do want different channels. Yeah. yeah. Um, but early on, you know, we, we made our, we put all of our chips on, on birthdays and fundraising campaigns. Okay. I would say that's a crowded space now. You know, I mean, Facebook is, is out there promoting it. Everybody and their mother has a, a fundraising, you know, request now to go and fundraise for the organization. So maybe you guys come up with something new. Yeah. You know, you have the advantage of being 17 and not an old 41-year-old guy. Uh, so, you know, what, what, would, what would you guys want to do? What would excite you uh, to raise money? And, and, and maybe you develop a brand new product, something that's not been done before. Thanks for uh, letting us talk and everything. Um, we, wanted, we did want to shoot out, like, if Charity Water needs two interns just around or to do whatever, we've got, I mean, you got two guys right here. Heck, even if it's, we'll fly out, we'll do everything, we'll work for free for your next event or whatever. So, I mean, we're very uh, pers- persistent. I mean, we want, we want to learn, we want to, we want to make a global impact with education. So, uh, where are you guys right now? Where are you based? Uh, we're in central Indiana, central, Indiana, uh, about north of Indianapolis. The next time you're in San Francisco, you should try and meet uh, Adam Braun. Go look him up because he's, um, he started Pencils of Promise. Okay. All right. And I'm happy to make the intro if you give me a week's notice. Okay. Uh, in that area. Because, yeah, they're, they're, they've, they've built a lot of schools. I appreciate your time and giving us all the knowledge that you have. And it's, it's very much appreciated from both of us. So. Of course. All right, guys. Have a good day. All right. Keep, fantastic. Uh, Thanks, Scott. Keep going. It's awesome what you guys are doing. So yeah. uh, I'm excited to see what you turn into. All right. Fantastic. Thank Thanks, Scott. See you. See you guys. Peace. There you go, Scott Harrison of Charity Water. I sincerely appreciate him being on. Uh, nothing makes me more proud, though, than when our students are representing the class and themselves as professionals. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted this episode to air. Also, just to give them kind of uh, a leverage and let people know what they're about to do. I think it's fantastic, just phenomenal and fantastic that uh, two 17, 18 year olds are going to be starting a school and make it sustainable and even doing the paperwork for an NGO. I'm so impressed, so proud of the boys. Uh, Again, if you want more information about what they're doing, it's in the links below. Other than that, also, I recommend that you reach out to Scott and give him an attaboy for taking his call and agreeing to do this. I sincerely appreciate his time and his wisdom being passed on to my students, and hopefully to you. Always, the, there's an invitation. If you want to have more of a conversation on this, you can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash up. or if you have a recommendation on who to have on next, I'm always looking for some great teachers that are doing some cool things. Let me know, Don at StartEdUpInnovation.com. Otherwise, this is Don Wetrick reminding you again that opportunities are everywhere. We'll see ya.